This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Small Biz America. The Brain. Our guest on this segment is a millennial business guru and the young entrepreneur behind the massively popular career and lifestyle website, rich20something.com. Daniel D. Piazza has successfully started three consecutive freelance businesses and scaled them to more than 100000 each in revenue with zero startup capital. He also has about uh, 204 or so thousand followers on Instagram, 16,000 plus on Twitter, and has been the subject of many interviews, including this one now, <laughs> uh, featuring articles in many national media publications. You've heard of them all. Huffington Post, Time Magazine, Fortune Entrepreneur, Business Insider, Fox News, Daniel. Daniel, welcome to the program. Hey, that was a great interview. Thanks. Or a great uh, uh, intro. Thanks. Yeah, whatever it was. It might have been an interview. Okay. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So it's it's really good to talk to someone in their 20s. You know, my kids are in their 20s. And uh, I mean, you've really made a career out of sort of the information around what it what the 21st century looks like. This is the century you guys take over the world, right? So, mm. um, so this concept of paying dues. I mean, I'm a baby boomer, right? I may be skewed on the yeah, younger. Yeah, yeah. I may be on the younger side of this baby boomer headspace, but wh what's this behind paying our dues? We don't need to do that anymore, you say. Well, you know, first of all, when you write a book, you always want to have several hooks that are worth talking about. And so this is one of mine. I have three in there. One of them is uh, college is dead. The other one is money is easy. And this one is, you know, you don't know need to pay your dues. And so I think it's something worth talking about. Um, there's, there's a, there's a little caveat to it. So the, the way that I think about it is technology and culture has advanced so quickly now that we can skip steps, sometimes multiple steps. We don't always need to go through B to go from A to C. So one example would be, you know, in, in, in years past, we think of the, the boomers, Gen Xers, and there's this very linear way of looking at the world. You go to school, probably more school after that, you get your degree, you get this job, you work your way up. And now we're finding that the, the economy is really tuned to skill sets and it's less concerned with what type of qualifications you have. So if you can do the job and you can perform it and you can show you can do it well, you can demonstrate that, a lot of places will hire you or you can start your own thing. And so that's what I mean when I say paying your dues is dead because we can, we can use our own intelligence and we can use um, ethical shortcuts to get to where we want to and not always have to go through the 10-year path. 
And Daniel, not only is it nonlinear uh, in terms of, you know, sort of this path that you describe, but it also is less academically focused. And, and by yeah. the way, I should say that I, I did very well without a college degree for many, many years uh, in the music space and uh, sort of this media space that I now am in. So I'm like a member of that club and a baby boomer. Oh. So I'm like an early adopter to the okay, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually going backwards in time. Um, so, I, so I love this and I, I totally relate to it. And in fact, uh, um you know, I've got one of my two sons who is 29 did not. I mean, he got a, a certificate, you know, a shorter uh, two year thing. But but I think on some level, he he sponged up this idea that you're now talking about. And so as we as you say, college is dead, which is one of your other uh, mantras. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been a member of that club for a long time. And for a while, I had some shame or eh, not shame. But I, I, I guess I, no, I shame. I, you can say it if you're a boomer. Yeah. It, it, it's indigenous to my uh, I had let's put it like this I had peers that probably scratched their head and said how is he ever going to make it and the peers I oh. had in high school their parents didn't have a clue about what is this guy doing what is he thinking where is his parents in all of this you know mm -hmm. so it's interesting so so money is easy um, and you know money is so many things to so many people in different ways talk about money well you know again it's something worth talking about when we put these these weird juxtaposed um, you know, ideas out there. And the yeah. idea, mon money is easy, is a concept that is worth thinking about because we need to think about how we're making our money now. Um, again, when we think about when we think about the new economy and we know that we can skip steps, we have to think, all right, well, am I doing the thing that's going to get me the lifestyle that I want in the way that I want it? And what we're finding now is that millennials are millennial is the generation of the side hustle, man. I have so many friends who have some of them have corporate jobs. Some of them work for themselves. Mm -hmm. Some of them um, just work at, at a couple of different jobs at a time. Yeah. We all kind of have hustles. And I think what, the, what we're finding is that if we, if we can find something that we love and we can find a problem that we can solve and we find an intersection of those two points, it's not too hard to make money because millennials are the problem-solving generation. We look for things and then we build, we build software, we build new companies, we build new products to solve these problems more quickly. And because technology moves so quickly, we can do that without having to go through the typical process of like getting a loan from a bank or um, you know, borrowing from a rich uncle. We can bootstrap stuff. Yeah. You can go on Kickstarter tomorrow and, and, and fund your own project. And so money is um, money. Is, it's an area of contention for a lot of people. It causes a lot of stress and anxiety. Mm. But there's no limit to access to the amount of money that you can, you know, you can make for yourself now, or that you can uh, use to fund your own projects if you know where to look. Well, technology has, has enabled the business startups to be much, 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 much lighter from a capital uh, infusion perspective, yeah. as you oh, point yeah. out. And, and you know, the yeah, I mean, so knowledge capital becomes um, really the thing, and this problem solving sort of this thing that's indigenous to the millennial generation, as you pointed out, this idea about problem solving, that's interesting. And I haven't heard it expressed exactly that way, but it's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. We're, we're, we're actively looking for problems. Right. Um, and I'm not sure if that, I'm not sure if I can say that's exclusive to mm -hmm. the millennial generation, but I can say that right. we've reached a time where technology, um, I keep saying technology, but it is true. We're, it is we've true. reached a, we've reached a point where our resources have matched up with our ambitions and we can carry out more of the projects that maybe even 20 years ago were kind of a fantasy. I mean, think about how hard it would be to host a radio show 20 years ago. Now we can start a podcast, you know? I know. It's just everything got lighter. You know, I spent a lot of years mm -hmm. in the music business and the music production business, mostly because of technology and then sort of the headspace that comes with that. The idea that, oh, this is lighter. I can do this on a MacBook Air and, and sound just as exactly. big, just as big as if I had, you know, a whole rhythm section and, you know, maybe horns in the, in the room 
the car, you know, at $150 an hour, you know, um, oh. I had a machine in my studio. It was the core of my studio. Daniel, it, 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 it I, I paid, this was for a used version. I paid $130,000 in <laughs> 1990. It was 1989, 89. I bought yeah. my Synclavier, which was the old school, you know, Michael Jackson had him, Lucasfilm had him. I mean, but it's an example, I guess, of, of how, you know, you keep saying technology, but it's true. The miniaturization in this, you know, it just, it just accelerated and accelerated. And now I've got much more power, you know, on my desk and we all do than, you know, they went to the moon with. So it's an, I mean, you know, you can't beat it to death. It's pretty extraordinary. Oh yeah. You're this right. idea. So multiple income streams is another theme that I know you like to think about and talk about and write about. Um, talk, talk to me about your concept of this. And I'm, again, I'm a member of the club. I drink many Kool-Aids. <laughs> Well, I mean, look, you know, you wouldn't only wear one pair of shoes. You wouldn't go out without a backup tire. You know, Jeeps have a tire <laughs> in the back of their car. Uh, right. I just think it's, it's strange that we're so committed to only having one way to make money. It just If you look yeah. at it from an objective perspective, like I understand why the job system is built the way it is. I understand that there's careers and people have to do their one thing. But think about it. I mean, we all, we all have times. We've all had times, if, especially if we're in a corporate career, where we're like, oh, man. You know, money's getting tight or, oh, I wish I had a little bit more, but I need a raise. And so we're depending on people to like dole out our checks. And then, you know, as well, as I know that like if you're depending on someone else to give you a raise, it's never what you want, never when you want. So I encourage people, even if they have a job and they're not they're not doing the full entrepreneurship thing to go out and get a side hustle going, man. When I was working um, my last like real job, which I'm not even sure most people consider a real job, I was working at a restaurant. And um, wow. wow. You know, actually, I think it is a real job. I'm going to call it a real job. That is a real job. Uh, but yeah. I was, yeah, I was working at a restaurant, and uh, my side hustle at the time was mm. I was tutoring, S-A-T, A-C-T, on the side. Oh, wow. And, um, and, and it was a great supplement for my income, and what it did was two things. One, it opened up my eyes to the fact that, oh, I don't have to just depend on this hourly job. I can have this other thing, and that was great. Uh, and two, after a while, I started to see that I was able to make more with the side income than I could per hour with, uh, with the hourly job. So I, so I was able to basically scale that up and leave my hourly job. And so yeah. having that side income not only helps you with the actual, with the money thing, with the bank account, but it also opens your mind to the possibility that you can do more and it's going to help you to kind of think bigger. Well, this time money equation, you know, and, and I'm sure you've thought about this extensively. I, you know, when I do projects in the media space, I, I really think of them as projects that I do for clients yeah. that I love, you know, as yeah. opposed to like how many hours will it take, which, you know, there's still, still in some schools a mindset around that. And I guess on some level you are trading time for money and unless you're infinitely scalable, which my particular business is not, but many can be due to technology. So, you know, rich can mean many things. You talk about rich 20 something. Um, it's your handle. I mean, rich is not just about the money. It's like this total time gestalt equation of, of time, money, joy, happiness, who's in your life, right? I mean, you know, go ahead, jam out on that one because uh, I want to hear from you. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're totally right. And I also think that one of the key and the core elements of our generation that makes us a little bit unique in the way that we think is we do care about money as every generation has. But I think that when it comes to rich, we're very, very keen on um, how we spend our time. We, we're, we're keen on optimizing our time. Most of the people that I know, I'm 29 right now, so it's the same age as your son and I'm leaving the 20s. Right. But most of the people that I know between 18 and 35 
are they're they're interested in making more money, but they're more interested in, in having time to do what they want. They want to be able to travel. They want to be able to spend more time with their friends and family. They want to be able to do like normal events on a weekday and not worry that they have to be in work at a certain time. Yeah. And I, what happens with this is a lot of the Gen Xers and the boomers, you know, you're excluded because you're like drinking all the Kool-Aids, but a lot of the classic boomers right. um, and, and, and Gen Xers will be like, oh, you know, millennials are so entitled to think they can get away with this without working for it. You know, um, what I would, in even Time Magazine said, you know, millennials are the most intelligent generation, but they're going to save us. Uh, and I think that what we're doing is we're, we're, we're breaking the paradigm. And when you break paradigms, there's always going to be detractors, a lot of detractors. And I think that we need to kind of shake the culture and say, wake up. We don't have to be tied to this time clock. You don't have to punch in. You know, if you want to get super, super um, uh, like inception meta, you realize that this doesn't really, there's time for money is a construct that we made up. It's we, we created this. It's really value for money. And so we need to figure right. out how we can give more value to people, whether it's through a product that we make or a service we deliver. And then you, there are ways to separate the time from that. And, and I think our generation really wants to be able to, to be free, man, to be free of someone, you know, asking where they are. I remember I used to work at a, um, at a, at a grocery store yeah. in Florida yeah. and, uh, and they had this, this system on the punching clock where if I was five minutes late, I had to go get a manager to clock me in. And there was no other reason to do that except to kind of produce a, a small amount of shame that I was late. Like, oh, you're five minutes late, so we're going to like penalize you emotionally by having you get a manager. Oh, totally. I, I totally... I you totally know? get that. Yeah. You know, and, and, and even my 29 year old son who works in the call center space, I mean, they're really, really anal about that thing. I mean, this, this, oh, cl- yeah. because they're billing hours, right? They're billing minutes of time on calls. Yeah. You know, he's supervising the, the guys that supervise the agents. So he's a couple levels up from the phone. And, but I mean, they're running this business by the numbers. So to that I say, and I have some colleagues that are actually consulting and doing some work with uh, millennials and, and oddly, or maybe not so oddly, they're baby boomers as well, older than me. And he's a coach that's been, you know, coaching and consulting for years. And so there's this intrigue around the workplace, the workforce, and what's happening between managers, I'll call it tension, between managers and the folks that are in this millennial space. I don't even know if millennials like that label, uh, that age group, and, and what their needs are and how there's a lack of understanding and sometimes a breakdown of communication about these values mm-hmm. that you're pointing to. So any advice you have for managers that are working with millennials in an institutional environment, a more traditional brick and mortar, we'll call it, eh, I'd, I'd love to hear. Well, that's a, great, that's a great question, and this is an area that I'm moving into as well, talking mm. to Talking to managers who are typically going to be Gen Xers or baby boomers about what millennials want and need, uh, not from a perspective of we demand, but more from a perspective right. of, well, first of all, right. to be very blunt, you guys need us, you know, um, oh, yeah. because we're the, you, know, you, you totally need us uh, because we're the last generation to see this, this shift from pre-internet to internet boom. We're the last generation because I, you know, I grew up without the internet. Um, at least for the first, you know, yeah, know, yeah, you were right, at, right as as the transition occurred, which is a fascinating historical, you know, sort of place to be living. It's a it's a weird time, and it's only something that we're now starting to to consider as being special. Now that we're kind of becoming a little bit more entrenched in this internet age, where we can't separate from our phones, and I think, man, you know, twenty years ago this wasn't an issue. These issues that we're having weren't issues because the internet didn't exist. And so now, managers need to know that 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 millennials are millennials are going to solve a lot of problems for them, but in return for solving those problems, you have to keep us happy. Now, how, how do big companies do that? Uh, well, big companies like AOL, my friends who work at AOL, I have a couple good friends who work there, and AOL um, or Google or Facebook has completely decked out 
their their workspace with like nap chambers and gourmet food and they're really trying to <laughs> coddle them and i'm sure like right. you know I, I, I tell i tell some of my, my friends parents about these and these crazy these crazy working um amenities and they're like oh my god millennials but i think when it comes down to it managers at a person-to-person level just have to be understanding that people of this generation want to have more flexibility with the way that we get our work done. We understand the necessity to get the work done. We just don't want to do it inside the same framework that you guys do it in, uh, in terms of like time, hours, and location. But not only are we still willing to get it done, we also have a lot of solutions that think outside of the boxes that everyone else has kind of been programmed into over the last 30 years. And maybe, just maybe, if we're allowed to do it at our own um, pace, at our, in our own location, at, at our own rate, maybe we can actually do it better. And I know that, you know, they're tied to the idea of time for money. Your son's in the call center. They're doing about an hour. But right. maybe if we're allowed to take a little bit of the control uh, or have a little bit of the say in the conversation, we can do it better. And, you know, we are, we're going into our 30s. I'm going to be 30 next year. And I'm not, um, I'm not super old, but I'm not 100% green either. I do understand what's going on here. Right. I get You're the kind value of, in there. of time yeah. for time. I'm not a little kid, and we're, we're not kids anymore. So right. we understand what's going on, and we need to have some say in how, how things are done. Well, I love that. And, the, you know, the, the, the word integration comes to mind as you describe uh, this, 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 what some would view as coddling. I mean, really what Google and these AOLs and of the world, these institutional environments are doing is they're transitioning into a more integrated life-work model. Mm-hmm. You know, some say, well, I don't want to balance life and work because that creates this wall between them, and then I'm trying to, like, on this seesaw, trying to tit-for-tat between work and play. And and as a musician, I've always been a member of this club again, but I'm not typical. I'm not atypical. And we're really largely speaking to an atypical audience, just, you know, by statistically. So so I think they've created a more integrated lifestyle so that it's so that you're getting a, a degree of pleasure in the work you do, which releases energy to be able to solve problems more effectively and more efficiently. And the other word that came to mind as you were talking about this is trust. The managers that are older and sort of grounded in this more traditional industrial revolution sort of um, hangover need to trust this generation. It's not a parent to child relationship. It's a it's an adult to adult relationship. And you alluded to that when you talked about crossing between 29 and 30. Of course, we know it's not a hard line cross, but, you know, conceptually, I'm I'm right there. Sure. Absolutely, man. And, you know, it's one of those things, too, where I think that – that we we forget the context around the conversation. So if we have, so in the boomer generation, I mean, my, my great grandparents are still alive. So that's the great generation. We have, you know, <laughs> wow. yeah, seriously, How cool is that? About World War II, then we have their yeah, kids, man. then we have their kids. All yep. three of those generations are still alive and they have very different perspectives. But the three generations before millennials do share a common belief that working harder, working more, working in a specific environment is going to get you a, a specific result. And we have historical evidence to show that. We know that after World War II, um, secondary education, you know, post high school became very important. And there was a high correlation in income to education. Now we're seeing that it's not necessarily the case. You know, I have friends who graduated from law school who are having trouble getting work. I have friends right. who, are, who are doctors who are now finally getting out of school. And they're like, man, I'm already exhausted and I'm in debt. You know, so, um, there's, yep. yeah, so there's definitely room to, to think about how we're think about how we're operating our, our workforce, how it's spilling over into the home. You know, you talked about um, balance being kind of an, an odd word, integration being a little bit better. I actually don't. So, so here's the key with integration. 
as long as long as you do have some turnoff time, because for me specifically, you know, I think about the fact that I am very well integrated, but I also feel like if I don't have a keep a tab on it, I will always be working. So right. there's a, there's a, there's a balance, but I think that, you know, um, we just need to understand that it's not millennials that are giving like hard pushback because we don't like the rules. It's more that society as a whole is changing and we're more in tune with that because we're more up to date. Uh, so it just makes, so what we're saying makes complete sense to us. Rich 20 something, the mission, unbelievable, empowering really a whole population of, of the workforce of humans on the planet into the 21st century. Daniel D. Piazza, the, the website, www.rich. 20 something.com just like it sounds you are everywhere so you you actually go on fox news and yahoo finance and and uh and and talk about this stuff right yeah time fortune forbes you know we had the book out it um it did really well we hit number 11 on the times list and uh, we're just climbing man that's unbelievable now do you have a team or do you work uh yeah virtual f- uh no, members I, mean, of yeah. Your, yeah, have, I have a team i have four, four full-time employees and we have some people all over the world oh, wow. do our work too so yeah, just moving along. I can't believe we, I created this thing. It's weird. It's great. Uh, where are you based physically? I'm based in L.A. So you're in Los Angeles. Wow, so cool. Mm-hmm. Great to connect. Daniel D. Piazza, thanks so much for joining us on the program. Once again, the, the website, rich20something.com. You can find out everything you need. He's got a YouTube channel as well. And you also have a podcast. What's the name of the podcast? Rich 20-something. Rich 20-something podcast. All right, perfect. Daniel, thanks for joining us. Small Biz. Small Biz America. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.